some verses from the Word of God this morning from James 5, 1 through 11. It's kind of good cop, bad cop. Bad cop, good cop. Ever had someone get in your face and rattle you, rattle you and then come around beside you and put your arm around you and tell you how much they love you? This is what God's doing in these verses. So listen up, please. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and the corrosion will be witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Sounds a little tough. Indeed, the wages of laborers who moved your, mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, have cried out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the days of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Then it goes on to say, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives it in the early rain and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance, perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Amen. Amen. I love it. Good cop, bad cop. Well, have you seen the commercial with Randy as a cop? The TiVo commercial? That's what I thought about when you said that. That's funny. Well, there's a lot going on here. Uh, more than we could ever address on a Sunday morning. But I want to dive into some specific statements that Randy just spoke and that James is speaking to us this morning. He's making these specific statements to both to those of us who are following the Lord and also to those of us who are not. And like he said, you can really divide it into two sections. I hope you see that the tone really, it just, it changes dramatically at verse 7. We've got these first six verses that are addressing these rich oppressors, probably unbelievers, who are storing up their treasures, their wealth, horribly mistreating their workers. And then in verse 7, he switches his tone and he starts addressing his brothers or his brothers and sisters. And you've seen that a lot as we've gone through James. Remember, several times he just addresses brothers and sisters or brothers and sisters or, uh, depending on your translation, brothers or brethren. And he's exhorting them in 7 through 11 to be patient, to stand firm in their suffering. Both of these sections have an overarching theme, which is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And this time he's coming as the judge. Coming as the judge, which is not such a great thing for these rich oppressors, but a tremendous comfort and joy for the believers. I'm going to focus more on the second half of the passage, than, more than I'm going to focus on the first. But the verse is very important. The first six verses, they are a warning. A warning to those who are sinning 
and how they use their wealth. A warning to those who are treating those whom they have power over if they're treating them in a negative way, lording it over them, mistreating them. The Lord sees their sin and there will be judgment. But I think one of the main reasons James includes this warning isn't just for the rich rulers, but it's to encourage the followers of Christ. This is important to leave the judging or judgment to God while we focus on persevering in righteousness. Because you can see I mean, with your own eyes, I mean, you just read it or you just read it on the screen. You can see that the rich, they are sinning and how they're treating their workers. It's clear they're in trouble. And even today you see examples of this. But for many Christians who have unjustly suffered under people like James describes, this is important as well. It would be tempting to become resentful, to become vengeful, jealous, envious, covetous, right? Thus becoming just as corrupted by materialism and the things of this world as those rich oppressors. We don't like how that sounds. In fact, we want to battle with that, but it's true. This is, this is true. Wealth can cause us and lead us to sin whether we have it or whether we don't. For those of us who have wealth, we don't like that. And for those of us that don't have wealth, we don't like that. All right? just, that does not sit well with us, but it's true. It's true. Wealth can cause us to sin whether we have it or we do not. So there is a encouragement from James to those who are wrongly suffering to check your heart check your heart check your spirit leave the judgment to God and instead you persevere in righteousness without envying the rich more than anything I see those first six verses as a wake-up call wake-up call that we should not treat lightly the danger of sin oh how we love To just treat lightly the dangers of sin. We just play around with sin like it's not a big deal. Do you hear the tone of the words that James uses? Do you think it's a big deal to him? I mean, this is not the fluffy, encouraging, pat yourself on the back kind of scripture. Did you hear? I want to read it again. This should catch your attention if you're sleeping. Wake up. It says, come now, you rich. Weep and howl. Do you just hear that? Do you see that? What does that even look like? Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Get that in your eyes. Your riches have rotted and your garments are what? They're moth-eaten. Here's a good one. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Vivid vivid. I hope, I pray that our eyes are open to that we must not tolerate in ourselves the sin of greed, the sin where we would use our, our wealth to negatively affect others. There's a coming misery to those who sin in their wealth. It's too terrible to ignore and their judgment is real and certain. So verses one through six, Merry Christmas, <laughs> a warning to sin. And she just love opening that one up this morning. <laughs> but then 7-Eleven. Well, that's funny. 7-Eleven. Slurpees. But then 7 through 11. <laughs> Dan's got Slurpees on his mind. So 1 through 6, a warning against sin. 7 through 11, 
encouragement toward righteousness. I want to spend the rest of our time focusing on verses 7 through 11. I'd call these verses game changers. And I call them game changers because if we as a body, if we grab a hold of these verses, if we follow the instructions included in these verses, we will make a sizable difference in the communities of Fife, Milton, and Edgewood. You see, the passage, it talks about being patient until the Lord's returning. Patience. To some of us, that's a swear word, right? Patience is not our favorite thing. But if, and even, if, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe in yourself, but definitely in others, if we just want to cast judgment on others, in our modern day society, patience is really not something that you see a lot of, right? More specifically, you don't see a lot of patience in the midst of hardships and trials. 2014, we are all about instant gratification, right? Words like long-suffering and endurance and perseverance. Again, words that we do not want to hear. I don't want any of that. It's sad to say, but in the Christian community, we often handle hardships and we handle trials just as poorly as our non-Christian neighbors. There's no noticeable difference. Many of us as Christians, we do not handle trials in the way that the Lord calls us, even commands us to do. The storms hit. And then we stop trusting the Lord, right? The storm hits, we stop finding our peace in God. The storm hits, and we stop finding our joy in the person of Jesus Christ. It's sad, but it's true. Now, some of you, and I, and I know some of you, and I know your stories, some of you break that mold. You just do. You have a tremendous story. You have a tremendous testimony. Stories of perseverance. Stories of endurance. And your faith challenges me. I am encouraged by your faith, Kuykendalls. I love hearing about your life. And how you stand up for the things of God. Your faith, it's been tested, hasn't it? It's been refined by fire. It's more valuable than gold. And by the way, we need you in this body. Because a lot of us, our faith crumbles the minute something happens. The minute we face suffering. In fact, take it, a notch, take it down a notch. Forget suffering. We all fall apart when the simplest of things don't go our way, right? When we owe taxes instead of thinking we got that rebate. Or when Jovita's closed. A couple weeks ago, Jovita was closed. I live right next to Jovita. This was a big deal. I mean, I can just go down that hill into 167. I was going in the Federal Way or all the way in the, all the way in the Puyallup because Jovita was closed. I got things to do, Pastor Adam. I cannot. Anyways. Or take it down even another notch. We lose it when there's no more ketchup for our French fries. Or even more importantly, listen up, you know this is true. We start complaining and griping when the free Wi-Fi is too slow. And did I mention it's free? What did you just mark if I hit this? Isn't that funny? We like hit the mount like 30 times. Like, it's just got to work. Well, let's read it again. Let's read it again. I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit residing in us, it is possible today, regardless of how you and I came in this morning, we are able to be obedient to James's instruction, to the Word of God. I want to read it again. Verse 7. This time we're going to read it out loud together. Here we go. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, 
Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Can you receive that word this morning? Can you receive that word this morning? It's a challenging word, but it comes straight from the heart of God. Remember that one day, this passage, it's all about that one day, Jesus Christ, the lover of our soul, he is coming again. He will rescue his people from those who oppress us and persecute us. He will put an end to all injustice and evil, including slow Wi-Fi. But in the light of that reality, this scripture, it tells us that we, every one of us in this room who profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we should live and wait patiently as a farmer waits patiently for his crops to grow from the earth. And I'd say this as well. Remember, your patience is on display for a God who is faithful. Your patience is on display for a God who is faithful. He will always, without fail, keep his promises just as he always has. And so be still. Wait patiently on the Lord. Live obediently. Live patiently. Now, over the past month, as your pastor, I've noticed many of you have been going through a hard time. In fact, many of you aren't here this morning because of the hard times that you are going through. Your, your faith has just taken a hit and you're having a tough time standing upon the promises of God. The intensity of your life has been cranked up. Life is taking its best shots at you. And yet, this is what the scripture says. You might not like it, but this is, where, this is what it says. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Hope you can receive it this morning. I sometimes have a hard time, but it's James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And you're thinking in your head, consider it pure joy. Cool. Yeah. Consider it pure joy. Oh, consider it pure joy. Yeah, that's a neat one. Put that one on the bumper sticker on my car. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Consider, you know what? I ain't considering it pure joy. I can't take this any longer. I've had it. And the Lord says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces Perseverance. Yeah, my faith is being tested, all right. You know what? I am a professional at perseverance. Lord, you think I need some more perseverance? Well, then take your best shot. Perseverance, 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 perseverance. Give me some more perseverance. You know what? I'm done with perseverance. I've had it. I can't take any more perseverance. I am done persevering. And the Holy Spirit speaks again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Ah! I don't want to be mature. I don't want to be mature. Leave me alone. Have you ever said this? God, would you just leave me alone? I've had it. Whatever you want to do in me and all these things that you're working in me, 
I'm done. And then the Lord says, I love you, Dan. I love you. And Dan, consider it pure joy. (laughs) Whenever you face trials of many kinds. This is the process that many of us go through with our loving Father. And many of you have gone through something similar. You maybe didn't throw the fit that I threw there, but it sometimes looks kind of like that, right? And many of you have gone through something similar to that over the past month. Anyone come close to something like that lately? Yeah, of course. If we're on it, you bet. Almost every one of us in this room. But then, I mean, you're, you're, you already got that going on, but then you're like, I'm coming to church this morning, and, you're, and I'm so happy that I'm at church, and I came, and I'm sitting here. And now, on top of all of that, you're going to tell me to be patient. You've got to be kidding me, Pastor Dan. On top of all of that, you're telling me to be patient. And guess what? Yes, I am. I'm telling you to be patient. The Bible tells you to be patient. Remember, remember the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, verse 12. He says, be patient in affliction. Another translation is, be patient in tribulation. God calls us to be patient. He calls us to be joyful in hope, to be faithful in prayer. But sometimes it just feels like too much. And over the past several weeks, many of you have experienced Satan's best shot. I don't know how else to, 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 to describe it. The enemy has been at work. He's been trying his hardest to discourage you, to get you to quit, to get you to give up on God, even to blame God. As the author of lies and the master of deception, he is at work. And, and many people in this church family, they are feeling the weight of this attack. But in the midst of all of this, I've had the opportunity to witness several of you rise up in faith. As verse 8 challenges us to do, you have established your hearts. I love that. I love that phrase. Establish your hearts. You have planted yourself upon the word of God, upon his truth and his promises, and you have stood firm in your faith. Yes, it's been tested, but you've heeded the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. This is a good one. He says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. Or Ephesians 6, 13 says, let's go ahead and read that together. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Beautiful. See, where the enemy thought you were defeated, you reminded him that he is a defeated foe and that you have the victory in Jesus Christ. And when I see Christians do this, my faith is so encouraged. My my faith begins to rise. One of you uh, earlier this week, you texted, you reached out to me and texted me and you said, this is this is this is hard to hear. It broke my heart. But you said, I could really use some prayer. I feel like the enemy is working hard to keep my mind in bondage, especially now that I've stepped out. As a leader, but listen to this. This is this is so. Tr- this happens again and again and again. I want you to hear this. He says, "I or she says, I feel like the enemy is working hard to keep my mind in bondage, especially now since I've stepped out as a leader, trying to help teach others to be free in the Lord." Right? If you've ever stepped out to be used by God, have you ever felt that happen before? Absolutely. And and she says, "I literally wake up not looking forward to the day because I don't want to be under the weight." This is heavy stuff. Not wanting to wake up. Not wanting to get out of bed. Not looking forward 
to the day because of all the weight. But then she's not done. And listen to this. It gives me goosebumps. She says, but I am speaking life. I love that. She just goes on. She, she just described what's going on in her life. But see the faith rise up? You see that? But she says, but I am speaking life. And she goes on to say, and I will continue to run the race. But right now I'm carrying some ankle weights that I need to kick off. She says, I'm working on letting God do his work in my situation. In fact, this is my prayer. And she quotes to him. She says, my prayer is that Jesus would be my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, his presence, my light. I pray that my first and last thought of each day would be Jesus. So good. That my mind would be focused on his love throughout the day. It's beautiful. I I love that. I love that. Here she is going through a difficult time, but she is putting her hope and putting her trust in Jesus. And that's what the Christian walk is all about. That's patience in the midst of suffering. She's going through a hard time, just like every one of us in this room will experience hard times. We will go through trials and hardships. But she is saying, Jesus, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I will persevere. And she's also saying this as well. She says, Jesus, I need you. It's so important to be that honest and real about our situation. Jesus, I need you. Where does your help come from? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Did you hear what she said? She said, I want my mind. In fact, the first thought through the last thought of every day to be focused on Jesus and on his love for me. She is saying that in faith, by the way, she is saying that she can get through anything as long as her eyes are fixated upon Jesus and upon his love. Such a powerful faith statement. Another person who's been going through it lately is Emily Favor. Most of you know Emily Favor. Such an incredible incredible part of this church and a part of life spring one of the true examples of what it means to be a follower of christ a servant of christ she pours out her life all to the glory of god she's one of our amazing youth leaders she's one of the six people that are going to be going to ghana at the end of the summer and yet lately in many ways many ways she has been under attack but by the grace of god and his love and his mercy, she is still standing. And with everything that she has been walking through this morning, I believe the Lord has given her a word that I, I believe will encourage all of us. So I wanted to invite her up. Would you welcome with me up to the stage, Emily Faber? Thanks, Emily. So like Dan said, um, when, a lot of times when you say yes to God, the enemy will come and just everything comes at you. And, and just the, the enemy just wants to throw the book at you. And life happens. And sometimes you don't recognize it as the enemy. Sometimes it's people. A lot of times it's people. It's stuff that just goes on. And so when Ann, uh, Dan asked me to, to sort of kind of speak about, because I emailed him, and just about some of the stuff that was going on. And he asked me to speak about something out of this verse that, or these verses that spoke to me. And what, what jumped out at me was James 5, 8 and 9. It says, You too then, brethren, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's day, uh, day is coming near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. To me, this speaks of 
a heart issue and a heart matter. Um, the New American Standards talks about how we are to strengthen our hearts. And in order to strengthen our hearts and to stand firm, we have to be in the Word of God. We have to. There's no uh, fellowship works, worship works, but in order for us to actually have it work in our hearts and in our, in, our, in our lives, we actually have to read it and then apply it. Um, I brought a Bible today. Uh, some of the kids know about this Bible. They've heard about it. Uh, I wish that I could say that it was big because I used it. Um, well, it's not. Uh, we had a Ford Taurus. And it had water damage. It leaked a lot. I got this Bible for my graduation um, from the church that I was going to. And uh, so I got it. And a couple of weeks, a couple of days later, my mom, you know, I had just used the car. And so um, my mom threw it in the back of this Ford Taurus. And it landed in water. So it got waterlogged. I was not a happy camper. Um, I was not in my word. I was not, you know, I just was... Whatever. Just, um, so I actually cussed out my mother. And, um, so, uh, if if you guys know my mom, my mom is the sweetest thing. Like, the sweetest thing. She wouldn't hurt a fly unless it was bugging her type of deal. But, um, no, she she really wasn't. She loves to listen. She's very gentle in how she, she corrected us and all that kind of stuff. And so, basically, I made her cry. And, um which is not a good sign, because then I went off angry and went into my bedroom and whatever, slammed the door. And then my dad came home. And my dad was a bit of a yeller when he was younger. And um, so he, you know, I was expecting this big blowout. And um, he basically just came gently in and said, Emily, I don't care what you feel like. You still need to go and apologize to your mother. And I'm like, but did you know what she did to my Bible? And it was totally unintentional. I just was still ticked off. And he's like, I don't care what you feel. I really don't. You still need to go and apologize to your mother. And he was basically basing it off of, you know, you honor your father and mother and you will be blessed, the, the part of the Ten Commandments. And so I basically, I went and apologized. And a couple weeks later, my heart followed because it softened towards my mother. I was no longer angry at her. It was just an incident. It happened. Oops, all well. So a year and a half later, I take this lesson again, and I am in an internship, and uh, I, am, I am with a youth pastor who uh, is very type A personality and very much very young in the Lord and very young in his walk, and he's a youth pastor and running over a lot of people, a lot of people. It was a good old boys club. If you were part of his team, um, basically in high school, he brought a lot of kids. He was a, he was a quarterback for Decatur Gators. And um, he, um, he was for, in federal way, not, yeah, anyways, not for Florida. Um, but he basically saved a lot of his friends and stuck them on leadership way too quickly. And so his friends were out partying with all of the high schoolers. And these were leaders, and so it hurt me deeply. And I'm not telling this to, to tell stories out of, out of class, but I started to get angry and bitter and started grumbling against him. And I wasn't patient with him. So, but I was being, I was firming up, my, I had hurt, firmed up my heart to the point where I knew how to go about dealing with him and saying, all right, 
I went to him and told him all of my concerns and said, look, this is my concerns. He ignored me. He just kept on doing what he's going to do. Then I went to the senior pastor and basically told him and said, this is what's going on. Nothing happened. So I could have left very bitter and very angry. And basically it came down to I was so mad that I could have left my faith and left the church and been very angry towards the church. But knowing what the Word of God talks about and knowing what anger can do and bitterness can do, the Lord is very clear about how we are to bless those who lead us. And so taking that lesson that I learned from my mom, I started blessing him, regardless of what my heart felt and how wounded I was and how hurt I was. I started blessing him, saying, Lord, I bless him. Well, six months later after all of that, he decides to just cut ties and go and start a new church. And so I got angry. There was another opportunity to get mad again and bitter again and just, God, why? Why are you allowing this? But the Lord is like, no, no, bless him. Bless him. I don't care what your heart, does, what, what your heart says. You bless him. Bless him. So I started blessing him. And I started standing firm and more firm on the word of God and and learning to be patient and and in that patience, not grumbling. Because once we start slipping and not being in our word and not applying the word, our hearts start to dry out towards towards people and start to form cracks. And so when those oppositions or when those hurts come, we can become very bitter. And that bitterness can root itself in us if we are not firmly rooted in God. And so because my heart was soft towards the Lord, I now have a good relationship with this pastor because I blessed him. And he grew, we both grew up. When you let the word of God work in you, in that time of patience, instead of throwing a fit, instead of saying, God, I'm tired of this, I'm done with this, I persevere, and I say, Lord, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to become more like Job, where he lost everything. And yet he said, I don't know or understand why I still praise God, but I'm still going to do so. It doesn't matter. In our perseverance, we need to praise God so that we cannot and do not let the enemy come in. So the past three weeks, when I said yes to Ghana, A lot has been happening. I have a a lot of work stuff, a lot of old stuff that the enemy has brought back and just said, well, you're never good enough. You're never going to be able to do this. You're never going to do that. And so instead of taking that and saying, all right, I give up. I'm done. I'm not going to be patient anymore. You know, forget this. I said, you know what? The Lord asks us to bring people around and to open it up. And when we open up our lives and those areas that we are struggling with, with bitterness and impatience, the enemy has no stand against us because it's open. And there's freedom that comes in that. Then, um, you know, Dan was able to pray for me, and and my Ghana team was able to pray for me. and, And basically, my week got better. It almost, like, lifted. But even in that perseverance, I will still bless the Lord. Even in the the crappy spots of my life where, like, I just am done being patient, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm not going to grumble against him because that that gets me nowhere. 
except for me becoming bitter and hard towards the Lord to where he can't work with me or I can't grow. And I want to be soft towards the Lord. And I want to be, I want to persevere because I have hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we give it up for Emily? Good job. That is such a good word. I love that. Hard. Like, you kind of want the person to come up that's talking about, you know, I don't know, bunnies and rainbows. I don't know. Fluffy stuff. But that's the real stuff of life, isn't it? So this is what we're going to do. Normally, I, I preach for 50 minutes to you and just talk and talk and talk. And, and I love to preach. And, but I, I think as I've been talking to different people and realizing um, where we're at these days, not everyone learns from a lecture. Um, I did. I loved school. Like, I'm in the one in the study hall. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, I love it. I love manuals. I love all that kind of stuff. I, I'm the guy that watches C-SPAN. But, but a lot of us aren't wired that way, and so we wanted to do something kind of fun today. We're going to break up into some discussion groups, into some small groups, and we're going to talk about patience. Hopefully it's a way for some of you that learn in a different way to be able to... Um, get into that context. I, I think in the book of Acts, what we do as church is great, and th- there might be some examples of that in the Bible, but a lot more of the examples were just people gathering together in circles, sitting on the floor, eating together, and also praying together and talking about the Lord together. So we're going to do a little bit of that. We're going to break up into groups. If this kind of thing is not your thing and you're terrified, you're sweating already, thinking you might have to answer something, we're going to make sure the leaders do not make you have to say anything. Um, so just be mature enough to be able to handle it and sit in here and uh, embrace the moment, embrace the time. So leaders, if you're here, would you... All right. How many of you need the Lord's patience this morning? Yeah, right? Because life is hard. Then it gets harder. (laughs) It's challenging. It's difficult. Now, some of you, some of you life is going pretty well. And in fact, you're sitting here and you're listening to these verses and you go, I got it nailed. You know, this is not even an issue for me. I am the most patient man on the earth. And I think that's great. In fact, I would say, don't try to just become negative in your group just to empathize with others. Like, oh yeah, I guess my life isn't going... No. If things are going well, what are we supposed to do when things are going well? Celebrate! Rejoice! Read your word. Get into the word. Dive into the word. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Use these times to build up strength, right? To build up your faith. Because guess what? Even if you're not going through a trial right now, one is going to come. Uh, well, pastor, back in the day, he told me, you're either coming out of one or you're going into one. And, and so that's kind of how it is. And maybe you're not in one right now, but just wait. And I just pray that the Lord would strengthen you during this good time so that when you do go through your own valley, you would have that faith that would get you through that valley. But for those of us who are going through the storm of life, um, I would just say this. Even when you think about the group that you're in right now, please reach out to one another. Allow each other to pray for, for, for you. In fact, if, if before we leave, maybe you will be uh, led by the Lord to ask someone next to you, can I pray for you? Is it all right if I pray with you? Because it isn't so, so important to pray for one another. Paul, you know that the Apostle Paul, he prayed for the church. 
All the time. And the churches that he'd go to. He was always praying for these churches. In fact, in Colossians, this is pretty powerful. Verse 11, he's praying and he says, may you, he's praying, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. This is his prayer to believers. May you be strengthened with all power. Say all power. All power according to his glorious might. Say, for all endurance, and this one's hard, patience with joy. Say that with me. Patience with joy. With joy, by the way. That, I, sometimes I got the patience, but I am not a joyful person to be around. But he says, with joy. So we need to pray for one another. Let's come alongside each other and pray for each other. The prayers of a righteous man or woman are powerful and effective. We can ask the Lord. In confidence, we can ask him to strengthen us with all power, to give us endurance, to give us perseverance, to give us patience with joy. And we can trust in a God who is faithful to give us what we ask for. This morning, as I was preparing this message, I just believe that the Lord was telling me that there are some of you in this room, whether it was 845 or 11, I don't know, but are just ready to give up. Ready to give up on life, ready to give up on everything that's going on in your life. And I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the great reward. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be patient. He's coming back. Be patient. He loves you. Be patient. He's with you. In the darkest valley, in the deepest pit, He is with you. And be patient. And trust in His amazing love for you. As Hebrews 3.1 says, this is such a good verse. This is for all of us. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, listen to this. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. If you're struggling this morning, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. When you can barely breathe, fix your thoughts on Jesus. When you can barely move. Fix your thoughts and set your eyes upon Jesus. When you feel like you're going to explode and you feel like you're going to lose it. And by the way, that feeling of feeling like you're going to lose it, we all experience that much more than we would ever want to admit. We come into church just smiling and looking like we got it all together, just being our little Christian thing that we do. But so many of us, you, you get a secret camera in at 2, 3 in the morning and you are crying in despair. You are wondering about the galaxies and the universe. You are freaked out by eternity. And the Lord is with you. In those moments, you can ask Jesus to help you. To give you what you need. That anxiety that you have. To give you patience. Patience in your suffering. Where the tears that you are crying that no one else sees. The heartbreak. The trial, the pain, that he can give you patience, patience, patience. He's coming back. He loves you. He is with you. And one day he's coming back for you. Before we close in prayer, I wanted to read Isaiah 40, 31. Many of you know Isaiah 40, 31. You've heard it before. But today I just feel like some of you need to get this one memorized. In fact, Go to your Bible bookstore, buy, buy it, you know, like, I don't know, on a coffee mug or a T-shirt or 
pencil, whatever you got to do, whatever trinket you got to buy. Or if you don't have any money, just get a three by five card. I do this all the time and just write out the verse on a three by five card. This verse is an important verse. Some of you, maybe you need to get on your computer, type it up, print it out. I'm serious. Do this. Tape it onto your steering wheel so that you see it every day or post it up on your bathroom mirror. We, in my family, we do these kind of things. We have verses all over just because we need to remind ourselves of the truth of God's word. And I want to remind you of this promise from God's word. Listen with ears. Listen to this. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I don't know if I got it in me, God. You don't know what's burning up inside of me. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You just feel the wind of the Holy Spirit blow through you and something like that. On my own, I'm here. But by the power and the wind and the fresh fire of the Holy Spirit, my strength is renewed in the Lord. And these people, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run, not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Your patience, I think this is so important. Your patience is not going to come up void. That stresses me out so much. Impatience, right? Why, why am I being patient? What's the deal? I am wasting my life. But your patience will not come up void. I love the imagery of the farmer. Because at the end of the day, a crop's coming. <laughs> right? The patience isn't just to watch dirt for the rest of his life. He's sitting on that rocker with a straw in his mouth knowing that a crop is coming up. And some of us need to get that in our spirits this morning. That yes, we are patient, but it's not just patience for patience sake. But it's patience in the one who is faithful. The one who is coming back. And if we die before he comes back, guess what? He has prepared a place for you. In fact, you will be with him in paradise. He loves you. He's coming back for you. And your patience will not come up void. It will never come up void. It will never come up void. Your patience is the one whose name is faithful. Your patience will never come up void. And so I pray this morning that you would be strengthened like the Apostle Paul prayed, that you'd be strengthened by all power, by the Holy Spirit, for all endurance, and yes, even patience with joy. And that as you wait upon the Lord, He would renew your strength. And I pray that this very moment. In fact, Lord, we just pray right now that in this room, You would begin to just fill us up by Your Spirit. There are those of us that are broken. There are those of us that came in just ready to give up on it all. But I know, Lord, there's no place, there's no darkness, there's no depth that your love does not go. I know that, Lord, that in our depression, in our anxiety, in our fears, in our worries, Lord, you meet us right where we are at. I thank you for your goodness, God, for your love, God, that, that truly gets to us where we are. We can't hide from your love. Praise the Lord. And I thank you, God, that you have called us to be patient. And I love that as I throw my fits, as I, as I yell and as I grumble to you, Lord, you are a loving father. I love, just get the picture of a loving father that as we crumble and complain, 
and wonder what's going on. The God, actually, the God of the universe, get this. He's actually being patient with us. Hallelujah. In fact, he's being patient with this world, the Bible tells us, so that not one would perish. He's being patient with us. But today, Lord, we want to be patient in our suffering, Lord. Patient in our hardships. Patient in our trials. Some of you, you've been looking for that job and, and you feel like you're being the best Christian ever. I mean, you are following the 50 steps of being a Christian and the 50 steps of success in the Christian walk. And you are just dominating and yet you're broke. You have no job. And I could never say anything to make you feel better. In fact, I don't know if it's even my place. But I pray that the Lord would speak to you this morning, that he is with you, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he has a plan for you, that he has a hope and future for you, that he has predestined your days, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he knows you intimately and that he truly cares for you and loves you. That truly this whoever that is, I don't know who it is, but that you would you're raging. There's just a fire within you and it has nothing to do with God. It has to do with fears and anxiety and worry and that that would be calm by the mighty name of Jesus Christ right now by his Holy Spirit. It just would be calm. You say, God, I don't understand. I have a thousand questions. I have no answers. But I'm going to patiently wait upon you, Lord. Just even now in your spirit, just declare that. Say, I'm standing in truth. I'm standing in faith. God, I don't know what my future will hold. In fact, I'm freaked out right now by my future. But I trust in you, God. I wait patiently for you, God. Knowing that a crop is a coming. That you are my great reward. I have an eternal focus, an eternal perspective. That Jesus, nothing could separate me from your love. Nothing could separate me from your presence. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. And you are more than enough. You are my great reward. And I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. My marriage is a mess. My kids are a mess. Everything is a mess. But right now I know that Jesus, you are for me, not against me. And that I am more than a conqueror in you, Jesus Christ. And that all things are possible in you. And that you've made a way where there seemed to be no way. And if God is on my side, who could be against me? We just stand on these truths, Lord. And we wait patiently upon you. With tears streaming down our face, we wait patiently upon you. God, I just pray for no one to be fake and try to act perfect in this situation, God. The reason you talk about anxiety and worry and fear is because humans are really good at it. You put it in your Bible because we need it. You put patience in the Bible, not because we're really good at being patient, but because we need it. We're not good at being patient. But the thing that separates us from the rest of this world is that when we hear your word, we receive it and we implement it. We allow it to fall into fertile soil and to take root and be established and grow. Everyone's going to go through trials. Everyone's going to go through suffering. Everyone's going to go through heartaches. We're going to have things that will worry us. We're going to have things that will stress us out. But what do we do when those things come? Do we freak out? Do we throw tantrums? Do we do what I do so often, Lord? Or do we wait upon you? Patiently wait upon you. Humble ourselves. Yield control. Say your will be done, not my will. Lord, I sacrifice once again my dreams, my hope, my future to your dreams, your hopes, your future. That your will be done. That your life be my life. That I'd be dead. That you might come into me and be alive once again. I just declare that over this sanctuary, Lord. That I, I know this isn't for everyone. Some of us are just doing fine. And hallelujah for that. But some of you came in full of despair. Full of depression. And I just pray 
that by the power of the Holy Spirit working even now, that you would walk out of your chains and transform by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, just your spirit, even now, minister your presence. Minister your presence. You know what each one of us needs, and each one of us needs, Lord, right now, by your presence, Lord, that we have everything we need in you, Jesus. And if that's true, then right now, some of us need something from you. We need a touch from you, Lord. We need a touch from you, God. We need a supernatural power to fill us up once again. We are faint. We are weary. We have frail bones. We need new. We need new. (laughs) We need new. We need new covenant religion. We need new blood. We need new. We need new. We need new. We need a God who makes all things new. We need new, Lord. A new thing, God. A new thing. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what? A new thing can happen. By by the power of the Holy Spirit, a new thing can happen. He can give you what you need right now. You're not defined by how you came in. You're defined by who you are in Jesus Christ. And right now, He can give you something new. And Lord, I just pray that right now, You would just pour out Your Spirit as You would have, Lord. In each one, as they need. Give them what they need. Not just for their sake, but for the sake of this community, Lord. For those that are going to hell. That you give them what they need. So that they could be patient in their affliction. Patient in tribulation. To this community around us, they could shine the light of Christ. And say there's another way to go. You don't have to drown your anxiety with alcohol. You don't have to drown your anxiety with sex. That there's another way to go. We can be patient upon the Lord. Humble ourselves before the Lord. Live a righteous life. Live an obedient life. Live for you, Jesus. I pray that over this place right now, that there will be a touch by your spirit. You know who it is, God. Touch them, Lord, even now. Your truth. Your truth, Lord, even now. Your word be planted in them, Lord. Even now, you establish their hearts, Lord. Even now, you put a security on them, Lord. Right now, you put a deposit of the Holy Spirit in them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Even now, more, Lord. More of your spirit. More of you, God. More of your spirit, Lord. More of you, God. More of you, God. More of your spirit. More of you, God. When they yell at us, when they curse us, when they, when they, when they spit upon us, Lord, there will be patience in you, Lord. You can yell at me. You can abuse me. You can use me. But you're never going to take away the promise I have in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The promise that he is coming back. And he is a just God. And judgment is his. And he reigns. And whatever you do to me, you cannot take away the lover of my soul, my great reward from me. Whether it's here or whether it's in heaven, he is with me forever and ever and ever. I declare that over this place, Lord. Seal it, God, in your wonderful name. Let that truth be the truth. And anything else be a lie from the devil himself. And let us say that with our own words, Lord, through this week. When we wake up on Monday and we're feeling all those same things that we felt yesterday or coming in this morning, that we could stand once again upon your truth, Lord. We could put on that full armor of God and say, no, enemy, you are a defeated foe. That is a lie. You are the master of deception. I'm having none of it. Jesus Christ reigns in this house. Jesus Christ reigns in my body. Jesus Christ reigns today in my life. You must be gone. Hush, be still. Be gone. Be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. As Emily Faber said, be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. As that other leader said, be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, you thought you were taking your best shots on me, but you are defeated. Be gone. Hush, be still. Storm, be quiet. In the name of Jesus. 
We stand on that today. There's a truth in that. And we are confident in you, Jesus Christ. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.